you could fly or you could fall, but if you have the belief that you're going to fly, you, you end up flying. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Hey, welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is someone who is dedicated to educating the world about health, food, and fitness. She is a medical doctor, best-selling author, and award-winning fitness and health blogger. She is a columnist for Women's Health Online and Psychologies Magazine, and earlier this year made her television debut on BBC One London. Welcome to the show, Dr. Hazel Wallace. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So happy to have you here for so many reasons. Um, Obviously, we've been friends for a long time, but also I just want with the show to, I guess I want to encourage, inspire, educate, empower, all of those things. And it's great to have people's personal journeys and personal stories. I think it's really powerful, but I think it's also great to have you know, evidence-based research and, yeah, professionals to give their professional opinion as well as their personal. So, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. You're very welcome. (laughs) So, I guess, uh, first of all, as I said, we've known each other for, what, maybe three, four years now? Yeah, I can't remember when we first met, but we just kind of, like, vibed on each other. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and I remember someone was asking me recently about, like, because we used to go to a lot of the same events, and I think there was an event once when I brought Jude with me, because his nursery was closed. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? It was, like, years ago, and he, yeah, and he really took a liking to you, and, like, shared your breakfast, so (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) Um, But you have achieved so much since then. I mean, oh my goodness, the last few years, you have been busy. Mm. So you qualified um, as a, you know, you graduated and qualified as a doctor, which in itself, that alone is such a difficult thing to do. But at the same time as studying to become a medical doctor, you also publish not one, but two books. You write a successful blog, you partner with different brands, and somehow you still manage to work out and maintain a social life. I'm like, wow, how are you doing this? And I'm sure a lot of people that follow you online are probably thinking, how does she do it? And you've recently gone back to school. I know. I'm crazy. Why did I go back to school? (laughs) So I've gone back to do a master's in clinical nutrition and public health, which is a year-long master's. I'm doing it full-time, which in itself is quite crazy. But I feel like it's now or never. You know, I'm 27 years of age. I've been qualified as a doctor three years now. And I think if I let it go any longer, I'll never go back. And it's one of those, like, lifelong goals that I've always had. So... I'm enjoying it. It's hard, but it's um, it's like a dream come true to be able to do it. Wow. Yeah, I see that you're in the library a lot at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that part's not fun. No. <laughs> so I guess, as I said, you've, you've been so driven and you've achieved so much. So have you always been uber ambitious? I think I think I've been quite competitive when it came to like sports. I was always like on every kind of sporting team growing up um, and tried to be captain as much as I could when it came to soccer and field hockey. And then I did ice hockey and horse riding and all of the above. 
But I actually, so I lost my dad when I was 14. And I think I lost a lot of my, like, I guess, goals and aspirations because I was just really sad. And then when I was approaching the end of my school, so my secondary school, like the Irish equivalent to the A-level, so it was our leaving certs, I didn't do as well as I hoped to and I didn't get into medicine and I was going to study that in Dublin. So I decided to go to Wales when I was 18 and do a degree in medical sciences and that that would be an undergraduate. And if I did well in that degree, I could go on and do graduate entry medicine. Um, so I did that, got my head down for three years and ended up going into medicine after that. But I'm so grateful that I had a bit of a roundabout journey because I feel like I grew as a person and I, it made me a better doctor at the end um, and a more rounded person. So I think, yeah, I've always been driven, but it's not always been easy. Mm. And I love that you shared that because I think often with um, people who look at somebody who like you and what you do now they probably just think well she's just uber smart or she just you know I think it's really important that you said that you didn't get the grades that you wanted mm. to do but you were so persistent and you went back and you studied and you worked harder and you can you know if you don't get something straight away it doesn't mean it's not meant for you or you're not good enough actually it just might mean you need to yeah put the work in for a little bit longer or, or whatever so I think that's really powerful for people to hear that you know there is where there's a will, there's a hundred ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. And I love the quote, um, failure is not final. I feel like that just sums up my life because I think every roadblock or obstacle, there's like a, it just leads you onto another path. And sometimes that path is better for you. Mm. Yeah, well, it's worked out great. Yeah. So online, you are the food medic and you yeah. talk a lot about food and I think as well as giving, you know, really delicious recipes and food inspo, you also do a lot of extensive research, which mm. you then distill into either, you know, a blog post or a social media post. So at the moment, oh, I feel like there is so much information out there about food. It's mad. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's like the nation is obsessed with food, you know, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. There's debates about, you know, veganism, keto diet, intermittent fasting, seasonal eating, superfoods, so much information that I think many people are finding it really overwhelming yeah. of just knowing, like, what to eat. And, you know, these shocking headlines, like, we're being told, like, these superfoods are really good for you. And then the next week, we're being told, like, for example, coconut oil, you know, that it, there was a headline about that being poisonous. And it's so confusing for people people so personally i i know the notion of like a balanced diet i just mm. don't think is very useful for a lot of people because they've lost what balanced is no so hazel can you break it down for us can you simplify it for <laughs> us what on earth should we be eating yeah no i absolutely agree with you i think it's super confusing and the headlines say one thing the science says another thing and that changes day on day um and it's it's even more confusing because I think we're all so focused on what we shouldn't be eating and it produces this very reductionist way of looking at food and also kind of isolates lots of important foods as well. Um, I also think we focus too much on nutrients as opposed to foods. So we say like, you know, we're talking about carbs one day or fats the next day, like how much protein should you be having? And like we get bogged down on the numbers, but like in terms of real life application, unless you're like a bodybuilder or like athlete, you're not going to be weighing your carbohydrates and you don't need to be. Um, and the same thing goes to like a balanced diet or a balanced plate. I think like if we want to try summarize what that might look like, it would be, you know, palm sized portion of protein, some veggies 
and like a fistful of complex carbohydrates and some healthy fats. But not every meal looks like that. Like a bowl of porridge doesn't look like that, like unless you're having a meal that where you separate all your food. So I think that's really difficult for people to understand. And also going back to the science, nutritional science is relatively new. Um, and I think the key when it comes to interpreting the science is that it's interpreted from someone who's researched or well-read in that field because most of the studies and not all of them are observational so we look at people and we um, ask them to take like a food diary or a questionnaire on the foods that they've eaten but the reason that's not perfect is because lots of people can't remember what they've eaten and also we can only make links so we can only say correlations we can't say causations and one of the um, good examples of that is things like red meat consumption so you know there is a link to say that red meat causes colorectal cancer and and certain other conditions but also we know that people who eat a lot of red meat are probably less likely to be active eat less vegetables as a result might smoke drink alcohol those kind of things so there's lots of factors to take into consideration and when it comes to the science the science is absolutely key and i love science but the interpretation is more important so when it comes to like thinking about what should I eat and I know we're going to come on to this later but it's it's a very personal thing you know like what suits my body is very different to what suits yours and although there's a general kind of fundamentals that we need like our minerals and our vitamins and some carbohydrates and some fats and some protein the the ratios and variation of that is so different and it it you know it depends on the type of person you are if you're male if you're female if you exercise a lot where you've come from, even your gut microbiome, everything, you know, it's, it's very variable. Mm. And how can people find out more information that's personal to them? Because do you think that it's time for us to take more responsibility perhaps for our own diets? And as you said, we're all so different. So how can what suits me suit your body or suit somebody else's? And when it comes to I guess taking responsibility for your own um, diet and is it worth I don't know I think sometimes about like you know with your car you'll go Mm. and you'll get an MOT and you'll get all the information and if you were buying a car you'd want to know everything about it but we don't even know things about our own insides so is is it worth like doing I don't know going to a doctor and saying I want to have a blood test to see if I'm low in iron or you know what can we actually do to figure out what we need? I know we've spoken about this before um and I think that can lead to a slippery slope of becoming a bit more of a hypochondriac when it comes to food. And we all, we almost over pathologize normal bodily functions. And one of the things that I have a bit of a bugbear about is like this whole idea that bloating is always a negative thing or always a like a pathological process it's not always bloating is actually quite normal and sometimes you're just a bit bloated because you've had a big meal that's normal in some cases it's not normal and there's red flags that doctors would look out for if they thought it was not normal but if you just go and have a a blood test just for the hell of it but you feel okay you probably won't find very much and then you might think well I'll go have another scan and then you're putting money in to have a full body scan you might find something that you didn't want to find or you might find something that's not harmful but it might play on your mind for the rest of your life so I think you know when it comes to just knowing what diet suits you you should be able to find that out through an element of trial and error um I imagine that like when you go for your runs you know that you can't have certain foods because they might cause like digestive upset so you've probably had an experience where 
<laughs> that's gone terribly wrong yeah sure definitely <laughs> and there's just certain things like that like I know that if I have like a lot of Greek yogurt for example I will be bloated like nine months pregnant bloated and I just know that that's something although I love it I can't have it in my diet a lot and it's mm. the same you know with different people so I think it's really important to like tune into your body and what suits you but also when it comes to things like if you do feel like you're being you're extremely tired regardless if you're getting enough iron in your diet 100% go to your GP and then they can look at other things because you know tiredness could be due to a number of things could be your diet but it could be something more harmful so it's really really important that we don't just poo poo it and think oh but I'm getting loads of iron or red meat or whatever Hmm. yeah it is confusing and as you said we've talked about it before I'm somebody who's very sensitive to caffeine (laughs) so oh my goodness if I have coffee it's like it's like rocket fuel for me and I can't seem to yeah I just don't have it anymore ever but I know other people that you know they can have a couple of cups Mm. cups of coffee or they're used to it or whatever so I do think um as you said doing trial and error um and I think as you said listening to and like looking I guess at your own body and how it reacts so when you said about the bloating I think sometimes people who are very maybe they're quite I don't know if they're fussy but people that are quite sensitive about like what they eat they don't want to change it Mm. so often people will say like oh if they are tired or if they've got really bad skin for example they just want to like what face wash can I use what cream can I use what what they'll ask me what moisturizer do you use what makeup and they want to know more about what's going on the skin but they don't really want to hear like oh maybe like uh, dairy or maybe if it's a certain food that doesn't suit them they don't want to look at their diet they yeah. just want to kind of go no 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 it's not that it, it you know just give me a cream to put on or something yeah and often unless it's something that's like to do with digesting a food or it's happened straight after a meal we don't really think that diet could be the cause of something when now like you know 70 percent of the diseases that we die of worldwide are lifestyle related and a huge component of that is diet so what we put in our plate and in some cases what we put on our plate three times a day if we're lucky it could be contributing to better health but it could be contributing to poor health so it's really important that we talk about it um but again coming back to the whole thing that like different people thrive off you know different types of diets there's like populations in japan who are known for like you know incredible longevity and they have really high carbohydrate diets but then we're always told you know the mediterranean diet which is like lots of olive oils and nuts and seeds is the best kind of diet so really it you know it depends Mm. and although that's not the perfect answer there's no perfect diet yeah and I think as you just said about those two different places I know when people talk about um yeah I guess different groups and populations they'll talk about the diet but there's all the other factors that that contribute to that mm-hmm. society and how they live so there might be that you know that society might be um that population might be that the women stay at home and cook and the men work and then they have more um maybe community and they might be uh, you know religious based places where there's lots more community and people coming together there's lots of things whether how active they are you know there's so many things that contribute to like lifelong health but I think it's really difficult isn't it to kind of figure out well how much of a part does diet play yeah that's true and it's not just what we eat but how we eat so like are you sitting down enjoying your meals are you sitting down and eating it as a family and like you said preparing foods and getting kids involved and growing your own vegetables and just having that relationship but like 100% living like a fast food vending machine diet which is something that I see a lot in the hospital that's not going to lead to good health and I think everyone knows that but here especially in London we're just constantly on the go that food is always like while we're on the tube or while we're picking up the kids while we're doing a million other things we don't really process 
what we're doing and also if you're not really chewing your food and you're just swallowing it you're probably not getting as many nutrients as if you were to sit there mindfully chew it because chewing is the first step in digestion we forget that yeah so i think that's interesting for people to take away is actually instead of just looking at like the next diet or the next superfood or the next pill actually like you said the basic fundamentals Mm. of eating prepare your food chew it sit somewhere calm enjoy the food not eating on the run eating on the go um yeah it could be just as important as like i said getting the next i don't know super pollen grain thing yeah no focus on the basics so like you know have a largely plant-based diet like you don't have to go full hog and go all plants but if you're having more plants in your diet you're going to be getting more nutrients more fiber and naturally it's going to displace any of the like less nutrient dense foods like try go to whole try go for whole grain foods uh, like and brown versions over the white versions and although that's kind of like something that's been hammered home to us since we've been kids the reason that people say that is because whole grains have the like everything they've got like the whole the brand the endosperm and all of the nutrients in there when you strip a, a grain of that you're removing a lot of the fiber a lot of the nutrients so if you can try go for kind of like things in their whole form it's going to be better for you get oily fish in there if you don't eat fish then try to get like uh, chia seeds flax seeds walnuts they're really rich in omega-3 which we can't make in our body we need to get it um through our food so it's like focusing on those principles like more fiber more veggies healthy fats you're gonna do good great (laughs) and you touched then about plant-based eating so Mm. this is something i want to talk to you about i know you've done quite an extensive post about it recently and to be honest i mean you know me i'm plant-based you know but i do think at the moment veganism is just being put on a pedestal i think people are being praised for becoming vegan whilst others are almost being shamed for not choosing to be vegan which i just think it's kind of pendulumed towards this extreme and as i said even as someone who doesn't eat um, meat or fish or whatever i understand that this diet is not suitable for everyone and it might not be an option for lots of people for so many different reasons so as i said you've talked about it recently on your blog can you talk to us a little bit about the pros and cons of veganism and yeah who it might be better for who it might not be better for yeah it's such a polarizing um topic and just to clarify terms so like we're going to talk about a vegan diet in particular because veganism could talk about fashion and everything lifestyle I don't know that much about that side of things but when it comes to a vegan diet like that's people who completely exclude all animal products so looking at it from that perspective and looking at it from a nutrition lens there are definitely pros and cons to have having a vegan diet as opposed to an omnivorous diet it's very trendy at the moment for lots of reasons whether it's ethical environmental and 100% like full disclosure i definitely think we should be just like definitely limiting our animal product intake i'm not fully vegan or or fully plant-based but i'm i'd say like i'm a weekday plant-based eater and so from a, a pro point of view vegan diets typically have well they're completely made of plants so that means you're getting more vitamins and minerals um and fiber in there but they are um low in certain important um vitamins and minerals and in particular that would be things like iron and zinc calcium vitamin b12 which everyone um is quite aware of um vitamin d iodine and omega-3 fatty acids now vitamin b12 although i've had arguments with a lot of people about this um 
there you cannot get it from a, a plant-based diet you cannot get it from plants so you have to get it from a supplement if you're excluding it because it's found only in animal-based products i'm sorry why do we need vitamin b12 what does that so it's sense? really important for not only your nervous system but also um, red blood cell formation so if you don't have enough you can get a type of anemia um, which would mean that you're feeling really tired and you might feel short of breath you could be getting headaches and having dizziness but also it's really important for your nerves so in people who are very very deficient in it they can lose um, feeling in their feet and their hands we see that in people with al- people who are alcoholics and haven't had a, a good diet for a couple of months um, and then so vitamin b12 is is probably the most important thing that vegans need to be aware of but also iron can be a little bit more difficult to obtain not completely you can get it from um grains and also green leafy veg but it's just important that you have like lots of different um a variety of foods in your diet i think the worst thing for you is if you just had a very beige vegan diet just get as much color as you can and you're probably going to be doing yourself good and also change up the grains that you're having you know like if you're having lentils one day go for chickpeas another day you know like change change the pulses legumes and things like that around um vitamin d is quite difficult to get anyway like regardless of what you eat here in the uk so we recommend that in the winter and the spring months that you supplement and that's across the board for everyone uh, 10 micrograms a day but again in terms of getting it from food it's usually like dairy and eggs um and then the other things like zinc and iodine omega-3 fatty acids you you can't get them from from plant-based foods but also look for where you can get them supplemented so the issue i have with some plant-based milks um is that they don't all sup they don't all add in um iodine vitamin d and important nutrients that we we would get in milk so it's important to look at the label and make sure that they're supplemented so that you're getting enough and then i guess from the kind of the other side of the coin in terms of what they have like i said they're they're full of fiber folic acid um kind of water soluble vitamins like vitamin c but also vitamin e potassium magnesium and they're lower in saturated fat and so people who have or have been following a vegan diet tend to have uh, a lower risk of blood pressure um lower cholesterol um a lower bmi and have a reduced risk of heart disease so there's some definite benefits but what I always caveat that with is going vegan doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a healthy diet because Oreos are vegan. Like like with any diet, it depends on what that diet is made up of. Mm-hmm. And you do have to pay a little bit more attention to make sure that you're getting enough nutrients, um, which is why it's not suitable for everyone. Because although plant-based foods can be cheap, especially if you're buying like, you know, dry pulses and stuff like that, that stuff's cheap. But if you're getting like lots of different fruits and vegetables that can um, like rack up and to make vegan food healthy or tasty, you also have to like know how to cook well with it and like use lots of spices. And some people don't have the time for that or they don't have, um, you know, like the kitchen space for it or they just may not have like they may not be interested in cooking. So it's difficult because I know that for some of the patients that I've come across who are essentially living on the breadline and getting most of their food from food banks going vegan although it could potentially be better for their health and maybe the planet's health 
at that at this moment in time is not suitable for them and mm. it's not practical which is why i kind of feel very protective and i get a lot of people who ask me you know on social media why aren't you vegan well i'm a doctor working in the public health space and i have to think about everyone and the majority of people and what's going to help the majority of people and that is yes reducing our animal product consumption but that's not to say that an omnivorous diet is not completely and utterly healthy Mm. and also i think if we all do something make a drastic change overnight then we're less likely to think of all the factors that i just mentioned Mm. and you could put yourself at risk of nutrition nutrient deficiencies Great. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. And I hope that people, yeah, you know, can take it in. And and like you said, it's very balanced. You know, there's pros, there's cons. Might not be suitable for everyone. One thing that I noticed when you were listing what's missing, so like people might be missing vitamin B12 or iron. One thing you didn't mention, which was like yes was protein because protein is the word where everyone goes wait you know especially in the fitness space it's like wait this person's running a marathon or this person's i don't know a weightlifter whatever crossfit trainer and they're vegan and like you know last year when i ran the marathon you know i'm plant-based people are like what how do you get your protein it's like the most annoying question for vegans or plant-based eaters and it's funny that you didn't mention that well like because you can get it's not an issue you know people think it's an issue and yes it's kind of it's a the reason people say you can't get like um like pure protein sources is because they there's different types of protein sources complete or incomplete if they're incomplete they don't have all of the amino acids essential amino acids that we need if they're complete they do mm-hmm. most animal products um animal protein products do have all of them but there's not as many in in kind of like a vegan diet so tofu for example would but then if you were eating pulses and stuff you wouldn't have all of the amino acids you need but that's not a problem because you just mix it up and you know not many people just eat lentils on their own Mm. you'd eat like you know a mixture of foods in your diet so yeah you absolutely shouldn't be concerned about you know reaching your protein targets if you're vegan if you're doing like a huge amount of training and weightlifting and you want to build muscle you can always supplement with vegan protein powders as Mm. well like I don't you know I really don't think that we need to think that supplements aren't essential in in those instances like you know they're practical they can be tasty I think it's just become a buzzword you can see protein slaps on everything now protein on everything you can get protein ketchup did you know that no protein Mars bar protein Snickers what what yeah I saw a protein Terry's chocolate orange on Twitter the other day and I was like I'm done <laughs> enough, enough. Uh, enough. Ironically, ironically though that's probably not dairy free so it's probably not even vegan do you no, know what i mean but i, I feel know. like a lot of vegan products just say protein high protein just to kind of tick that box which as you said isn't a non-issue so don't worry about your protein guys if you're going plant-based there's other things to consider but you're probably good with protein. yeah yeah 100 awesome 
another thing that I'm curious to get your thoughts on is food in relationship to our body's circadian rhythm. So I mentioned about caffeine and I cannot handle it, but I know that caffeine affects our sleep pattern and can it be the same for foods? Because I know around the world, you know, some different cultures, they eat very late at night. They, you know, they don't even go out for dinner until maybe 8, 9 p.m. That's when I'm usually getting into my pajamas. So for someone who gets up early and I'm trying to encourage others to kind of try that out. Yeah. Can food affect the way we sleep and how does it affect what time, you know, is best to eat? Yeah, absolutely. I think more and more research is coming out in this field in on um, kind of nutrient timing and circadian rhythm and it's one of the reasons why fasting is quite interesting so there's different types of fasting there's like intermittent fasting which is like more of a diet protocol where people like don't eat for a day and then eat the next day and there's different types of those like the 5-2 diet and then there's time restricted feeding where you eat within a window so say you you know you're like going to eat within an eight hour window or a 12 hour window um and that's that second one, uh, time-restricted feeding, is what I'm interested in because there's quite a lot of research coming out in that um, in terms of managing um, risk of disease. There seems to be a benefit of eating within a smaller window. And the reason we think this is because, like your circadian rhythm, so that's your internal body clock, basically is it fluctuate the hormones within our bodies fluctuate depending on the type of the day it means like in the morning you've got a surge of cortisol which is like get up get ready and then the evening you've got like this melatonin influx which is like come on let's get get ready for bed let's get sleepy um and that's very normal just happens in the background but if we are eating out of that window we can disrupt those signals and also we've got different hunger hormones which like peak and trough at different times of the day so also if we're eating late at night we can mess those signals up so it you know without making too many rules or restrictions because we have to think about our social lives as well you know most people eat late because they have dinner at 8 p.m or whatever they get home from work sometimes it's difficult to get around but if you can it's better to eat within a 12-hour window and that being like 7 a.m and 7 p.m eating too early too early like 4 or 5 a.m also your body's still going to be in that sleep state so your hormones and your kind of physiological processes aren't going to be ready to deal with the food at that time and you know your blood sugars are going to be too high your your the fats in your blood are going to be too high as a result and this is not talking about one-off occasions because I know like lots of people probably travel who listen to this, but it means if you're doing it consistently over over weeks and months. And the reasons we know this is because most of the studies have been done on night shift workers and looking at them. So try to eat within that window and try to avoid late night snacking to disrupt your sleep. <laughs> okay, great. And it's, in, it's funny when you were saying that, I was thinking about, because I get up early, but I don't eat straight away. Mm. And sometimes if I've been going to the airport, as you said about traveling, if I've been going to the airport at like, I don't know, 4 a.m. in a taxi or whatever, I might eat in, you know, when I get to the airport and I've not really looked at the clock and I've maybe had um, been to Pret and just had like a big breakfast at 5 a.m. And then, yeah, I've noticed I've had real like bloated stomach ache and I'm kind of like, well, that's weird because, I normally eat those foods but I don't normally eat them at 5am yeah. so for me like I do get up early every day but often I'll kind of get up I might do my workout I might do whatever I'm doing first then get Jude ready um he actually has his breakfast obviously before I take him to school but often I don't actually eat until maybe 
nine o'clock and if yeah. I'm getting up at 5.30 you know it's actually a little while before I eat so yeah it's interesting I'm gonna, gonna have a think about that yeah um, and with the night thing as well I definitely could eat late I know some people they'll say it bothers them it doesn't bother me so I no, could eat either. super late and just literally get straight into bed like with a full belly I'm quite happy to do that yeah. but I know it's not probably the best thing to do no it's not because it, yeah there's lots of reasons why it's not good um and it can disrupt your sleep as well although lots of people are like no like it's fine I sleep I sleep fine you probably aren't getting as good quality sleep even if you think that you've slept the entire night you probably didn't and also you know in order to let your body digest if you're like asleep your body needs to still digest it's going to like get to work regardless if you're awake or asleep so yeah I would say like try stop eating at at least two hours before you go to bed okay great so i was just talking there about my morning routine and Mm. about my morning power hour and this is the power hour podcast so i'd love to know uh do you have a morning structure do you have a morning routine does it change because you're somebody who you're up early as well right yeah what time do you get up i get up at six every day that's just like bog standard across i find it really hard to get up earlier to be honest sometimes if i'm working um like a surgical shift we start at 7 a.m on the ward so I need to get up at 5am on those days which is always a struggle um, but anyway regardless I'm always up at 6am and I get up the first thing I do which I listen I can't remember if I read it in a book or in a podcast is make my bed because they said that's a little win that can really like set your day off to on a good note so I've been doing this for years always make my bed before I do anything else then I do 10 minutes of my meditation and then before I do anything else I'll write down in my paper journal everything I need to do that day um I have like my diary and my phone but I like to have like I like to have tick things off as I go out throughout the day and also get in my mind I'm going to the gym first and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do that um and I find that just really focuses my attention and then after that then I'll go like make a coffee switch on my phone and do all of that kind of business but I feel like it's better if I don't look at my phone before I get all of that so I can really focus my attention Mm, that's great so getting up making the bed first I love what you said (laughs) about that my husband actually he I think he must have whatever podcast or book you read he had it too because he was actually saying for our son he wanted to encourage him every day he has to make his bed before anything else and as you said it's like a sense of achievement you've done something and I guess just a really good habit to to get into so yeah making the bed then your 10 minutes of meditation and then your writing in your journal which again I love that and I really encourage people to do that because I think pen on paper for me it gets things out of my head and then I'm not I do it in the evening I don't do it in the morning Mm. but I do it in the evening so like tomorrow as you said I'll write down I'm doing this I'm doing this I'm going here I've got to do this send this email and once I've written it on paper I feel like it's not in my head anymore I can just trust that it's there yeah and you you just kind of feel a bit more okay with with the day when but if it's all in your head it's really hard to keep tabs of that and also what makes it different to writing it down as opposed to typing it in your phone is your brain can responds better to your own handwriting so I used I remember learning this when I was at medical school and then I always hand wrote all my notes at at uni so that because I was like my brain will remember it because I've handwritten it wow that's really interesting I've never heard that before I know so now like I'm really really reluctant to type things and I'm trying not to use loads of paper but like even now like I'll be in the library with my with my white pieces of paper and just drawing all of the graphs and stuff like that because I'm like I want my brain to remember it 
Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> cool, I love that. Um, so you post lots of delicious breakfast pictures on Instagram. If you don't follow, then the Instagram is at the Food Medic. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many delicious breakfasts <laughs> on there. If you wake up on a Sunday um, and have a scroll, you're like, oh, what should I make first? Yeah. So what is your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Like regularly or on a special occasion? Both. Um, Give us both. So regularly at the moment, it's porridge. It's porridge season. So um, hashtag porridge appreciation society over here. Um, But if it's like a special occasion, like birthday, what my mum used to always make every birthday was like French toast. So I feel like I can't not have that on my birthday now. Nice. I just love it with maple syrup and blueberries. Nice. Great. I'm sure you've got a recipe for it as well. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I like to ask every week for my guest is to suggest a power hour challenge for the listeners. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I want to encourage people to join in with this week. So they could try maybe just one morning or they might want to try it every morning and they can let us know if they are getting involved by using the hashtag power hour. So when it comes to food, if this week I could commit just one hour each day to improving uh, my health what should I be doing more of and what should I be doing less of? Um, more of cooking and less of wasting. <laughs> so waste is a huge issue at the moment. Um, and if you could do anything, I guess, this week, try not to shop, go to the supermarket every day. You have enough food in your house. I guarantee you've got enough food in your house. Even if it's just like a tin of chickpeas, sweet corn, frozen peas the end of a pepper you can probably make a stew with that all you need is like a tin of chopped tomatoes you have to be creative in order to reduce the amount of waste that you're you're having you're also going to save money um so that would be my biggest tip and something that i'm trying to do at home as well is like try not to buy as much food every day because sometimes when you're coming home from work you just end up going to the supermarket when you already have you know a fridge full of other stuff yes i love that it's really really important i'm trying to do yeah less food waste be more um resourceful with what we have and it's funny i think sometimes when it comes to food i listened to something yesterday actually my sister's podcast with bbc and they were talking about scarcity and i think we all sometimes have this scarcity mindset with food of mm. like oh we might not have enough pasta so we'll buy some more we might not have enough of this we'll buy some more and actually some people you end up i've done this before or i've ended up with four boxes of rice or four bags of pasta because you think you're not going to have it so you buy it again yeah and then you open the cupboard you're like yes we definitely have a whole cupboard of rice and pasta probably enough to last for six months yeah so as you said i think that's something i'm going to try this week so encouraging you guys get involved let us know what you're making yeah, do, use up do. the stuff in the fridge <laughs> use those ugly veggies make a stir fry maybe make a juice just yeah less yeah. waste no 100 i've got a cupboard i call it my cupboard stew um recipe on my website which is basically just like the odds and ends of a cupboard great <laughs> but it's good okay i might look in my cupboard <laughs> yeah, see if i can give it a go okay brilliant and my closing question which is a question i ask to all of my guests as it's the power hour and as i'm so i guess like i live with a sense of urgency and i really value time as a concept yeah. so i would love to know what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you um i think losing my dad it taught me that like time is precious and life's too short and I also like not to like leave it on a on a morbid note but I see death all the time and it's made me really appreciate my life and also made me really brave at doing the things in my life like now I'm just like you know what like life's too short and you know you could fly or you could fall but if you have the belief that you're going to fly you you end up flying so yeah 
life's too short and time's precious <laughs> wow thank you Hazel that's really interesting and I think when you said about working uh, you, you experienced death a lot working in hospital and that is something I really admire most about nurses and doctors and what you do mm. so hats off to you for that because I don't know maybe it's just my personality but I think working in an environment like that I would be too it would affect me too much and I think being face to face with mortality every day I think I'd just be a, I'd be a wet a wreck I'd be worried all the time yeah. you know that something bad's gonna happen or some illness or some disease or so I don't know yeah how nurses and doctors do it and I know the NHS from some people get stick and people complain a lot but in my experience it's been absolutely yeah. incredible I'm so I'm so grateful for every single person who works in the NHS everybody from the porters to the cleaners yeah. to the nurses you know it's it's honestly the most incredible job so thank you no worries and I'm so glad that you mentioned all the other people because I feel like and I'm guilty of doing it also it's like doctors and nurses but also there's like the secretaries and like you said the porters and the healthcare assistants and the pharmacists and the OTs and the physios and there's so many people and it's actually really incredible seeing everyone work together and like you said it is hard because you see death all the time but you also see life all the time and you can make people better which is just an incredible privilege and honor wow thank you so much <laughs> guys i hope that you are loving it hope that you're loving it as much as i am and if you are and you want to hear more from hazel where can people find you online and in real life um in real life i'll be in the library yeah so i just had my first conference the food medic uh the future of food but at the moment, um, I'm really just getting my head down, not doing too many events. But I post, share them all on my website. I've got an event page, so you can check them out there. And I am at The Food Medic across all social media. My website's thefoodmedic.co.uk. And I also have the, a podcast called The Food Medic Podcast. So it's very easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, Food Medic everywhere. Thank you so much, Hazel. Thank I've you. really loved having you on. Guys, I hope you really enjoyed the show today. Please subscribe. Remember to give us a rate over on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. I appreciate your time. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.